Well, I hope you enjoyed that and it ministered to you. And I uh, don't know whose phone I've got here, but I'm just about to reply to a couple of texts. Um, <laughs> looks like Felipe. Um, no, he's not interested. Um, anyway. Sorry, do apologise. Is that yours, Felipe? Okay. Oh, is that right? Said Felipe. Anyway, you got some texts. Or you sent some texts. Anyway, so anyway, moving on pretty quickly. <laughs> Wonderful. It's a great morning, isn't it? And uh, great to share in uh, a baptism. It's a wonderful thing to do. Absolutely fantastic. And uh, I uh, got baptized about seven years after I became a Christian. I'll share a little bit of my story in a moment. But uh, yeah, I became a Christian about seven years after I became a Christian. Went to a church where baptism wasn't part of it. Following Jesus was, and absolutely no criticism, but uh, it was a little bit later on when I started to see people get baptized, and I thought, oh, that's for me. After about seven years, I just thought, this is a great thing to do. Now, I don't know whether uh, you're new this morning, whether you're visiting, whether going to church is a regular thing for you, um, whether what's been going on is a little bit different. Now, some people, as we mentioned last week, really like to do things that are adventurous, spontaneous, or like things that are different. Other people like things that are very kind of, uh, you know, structured and uh, ordered. Um, I don't know which kind you are, whether you're one of those people that likes the rhythm of life, or some of you like things that are a little bit more spontaneous. Somebody once says this, you're too old, not according to age, but when you've been on your last adventure, when you don't have to do anything more that's adventurous. And uh, I wonder which kind you are. Now, this morning, I wonder whether it's a little bit different to what you expected. Life can be uh, like that, can't it? I suppose every day can be a little bit different. And uh, when you thought of coming today, whether it was a little bit like what you expected uh, that was going to happen. But it is a great occasion. I hope that you saw it up on the screen. Uh, Somebody being baptized, obviously, right back in uh, the early church, they, they got baptized in the river. Uh, I've done one or two baptisms in the sea. Um, did wear a wetsuit. It was the North Sea. So you do need a bit of help when you get out. You know, you do need um, emergency service on, on standby when you get baptized in the North Sea, I've got to say. And, uh, but we survived it. So I don't know whether this morning is a little bit different to what you uh, expected, but we're going to look this morning to a, a church meeting 2,000 years ago that was totally... Uh, out there and uh, very different to what people expected and it was in somebody's home it wasn't in a church building because they didn't have church building wasn't in the synagogue probably because it wasn't large enough sometimes people had some really large homes um, and they would meet upstairs for religious purposes and we know that because the early church there's 120 met once and often it was upstairs in something called the upper room so we're going to look at one of the meetings uh, while Jesus was still around from Luke chapter 5 verses uh, 17 to 26. I'm going to read the account of what actually went on here. So Luke chapter 5, verse 17. It says, One day as he was teaching, this is Jesus, Pharisees and teachers of the law had come from every village in Galilee and from Judah and Jerusalem, and they were all sitting there. So this was quite a large crowd. And it says, The power of the Lord was present for Jesus to heal the sick. Now some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat 
and tried to take him into the house, this paralytic, to lay him before Jesus. But when he could not find a way to do this because there were so many people, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this person? Who is this fellow? Who speaks blasphemy, they thought? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now Jesus knew what they were thinking and he asked them, Why do you think these things in your heart? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or to say, Get up and walk. But so that you know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them all, uh, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and uh, gave thanks to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen incredible things today. They were not expecting that. I mean, they'd been to religious gatherings before. They had heard, I think, that Jesus healed people. They, they were not expecting that. Now, some people get invited to church. Some people are encouraged to go to church. Some people are nagged to go to church. And you might have been a person in the past that has been dragged to church. But this man was carried to church. He didn't seem to have a lot of choice about it. He was paralyzed. Now, maybe that he wanted to go. Now, most people, when they come to our church, come through that door. Not many get lowered through the roof. Actually, we've just had the roof done. Don't do that. <laughs> it's a longer drop. It's a longer drop. Don't do that. Um, but he's lowered through the roof. I love the determination of his friends. I love the determination of his friends. Uh, I don't know about you, just an aside, that uh, if you don't know Jesus personally, you've probably got people praying for you. And I found that out after I became a Christian, the amount of people that were praying for him. Now, he might have had reservations when they started to go up onto the roof. But in all the confusion, he could not have expected what happened next. Because it says that they went up on the roof and that he was lowered on this mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Now, that is an entrance, isn't it? That is a great story. And everybody's attention, everybody's attention is upon this individual. Now, I don't, like, I don't know whether you like it when, if you go into a room and everybody's attention is upon you. I don't know. I suppose the most recent thing that I can think of is when our son got married over Easter and when the bride comes in, Everybody, everybody stands up and takes notice. It's a wonderful occasion. And you had all the religious leaders here, and it talks about from every village in uh, Galilee and Jerusalem and Judea were there. And Jesus himself, at that point, the most famous local person, and all of a sudden you are the focus of uh, attention. And Jesus gives him his full Attention. Now, I don't know whether Jesus was surprised at this happening, probably, but Jesus gives him a full, his full attention. 
Now, often people take an interest in Jesus through what they see Jesus do in other people's lives. And whether his friends knew Jesus in a personal way, we don't really know. But they were convinced that Jesus would do him good. They're absolutely convinced that if only they could get him to Jesus, then Jesus would do him good. And it's fair to say that this encounter with Jesus did completely change his life. Now, we can be quite limited on things that we say change our lives nowadays, like a dishwasher. I got a dishwasher, and it changed my life. And I even hear Christians giving their testimonies about dishwashers. And it really has changed their lives. I mean, the way they talk about their dishwasher, it really has changed their lives. And um, very exciting. You don't have to get baptized if you have a dishwasher or anything like that. But people say that, you know, I, I got Now TV, and it's really, really changed my life. And we're very limited, aren't we? And what we say changes our lives. It's kind of a phrase that we use. But this guy, his life was totally turned around. To follow Jesus doesn't demand an open roof. It does demand an open heart. It does demand a receptivity. And he says, so he said to the paralyzed man, Jesus says, take your mat and go home. Immediately, uh, he stood up in front of them. Wouldn't you like to have been there? Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he was lying on, took his Pilates mat. No, it wasn't his Pilates mat. Takes his mat and goes home. Now, this is amazing enough, this this account. But you know, all the miracles in the Bible are there to tell us something. They they tell us that God is all-powerful, that Jesus has the power to heal, but they're always included to give us a message, to communicate something to us. So get excited about the miracle, please do. But they're included to speak to us something about God and ourselves. So this is why it's included. So to be healed was awesome, but what Jesus said next was even more life-changing for this guy. Jesus says, friend, your sins are forgiven. Friend, your sins are forgiven. You see, all along, he would have thought that God hated him. Everybody else would have thought that God hated him. You see, to the level of your illness and sickness, they often thought determined how much God liked you or how big a sinner you were. So they thought that this guy, being as he was paralyzed, they would have been in awe at the fact that now they'd got some understanding that that Jesus was righteous and holy um, within all these religious leaders. And here was this guy who would have seemed to have been the biggest sinner in the room, the dirtiest person in the room, just by the very fact that he was so sick. Now, of course, it is not true that the more unwell you are, the, 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 the more bad things that you have done. Um, we see, don't we, when Peter, uh, just after Pentecost, heals a, a blind man, doesn't he? Blind from birth, and religious people were really angry with this blind man being healed. And it says, you were steeped in sin from birth, otherwise you wouldn't have been blind. So that's what they used to think. So people would have thought, here's this really bad person in front of Jesus, and Jesus says, friend, your sins are forgiven. Jesus is the friend 
of sinners. And he says your sins are forgiven. He would have felt not only the most conspicuous person in, in the room, he would have felt like he was the dirtiest person in that room. And he says everyone was amazed and gave praise to God because of the healing. They were filled with awe and, and, and said, we have seen incredible things today because this guy has been healed. But when Jesus says, friend, your sins are forgiven, whoa, they didn't like that. They didn't mind him being healed, but they didn't like Jesus saying, your sins are forgiven. They thought that was being blasphemous because only God could do that. But Jesus was saying, I want you to know that through me, your sins can be forgiven. Whoa, hold on a minute. Is this really possible? And Jesus is saying, through me, it is. Through me, I am the friend of sinners. And John 3, 16, we've been singing how for God so loved the world. And verse 17, I think is really good. For, for God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And baptism demonstrates, doesn't it, that the greatest miracle has taken place within somebody's life, that they are uh, forgiven, that this incredible gift has been taken place. Somebody once said this, salvation is not a reward for the righteous people, it is a gift for the guilty. We can't do it by ourselves. It is the gift for the guilty. And Crystal being baptized, it's symbolic of this incredible gift Not to say that Crystal's been an evil person, (laughs) but it's a gift for the guilty. It's a gift for us all. Now, I love hearing people's stories about how they become Christians, how they come to Christ, how uh, they come to God through Christ, and I get excited every time. I remember um, in my youth group, one of the youth leaders saying this, talking to Christians, If you get to the point where you fail to be excited in hearing about somebody who, becomes, who comes to Jesus for the first time, then there's something not quite right. If you fail to be excited to hear those stories. Because it's wonderful, isn't it? Absolutely. I absolutely love hearing everybody's stories of when they became Christians. After I became a Christian, I remember when I started going to church, I was going up and, and um, it became funny in the church because I sat next to everybody, even people I didn't know. And I didn't even know whether they were Christians. I just sat next to them and said, how did you become a Christian? So all these people in the church, I was asking, how did you become a Christian? Now, some were a little bit scared, I think. <laughs> but I just wanted to know. It's just the most wonderful thing to hear, isn't it? And here we have. Now, when I became a Christian, I can remember for me personally, uh, just feeding, as I look back now, three different sensations or three different things kind of took place on that particular night. And I can remember uh, the night when I became a Christian. I didn't know what it meant to become a Christian. I just knew that God was in the lives of all these people around me. I didn't know that Jesus was the common denominator. But the first thing I really felt uh, when I prayed for Jesus to come into my life is just an overwhelming sense of God's love overwhelming sense of God's love, which is not surprising, is it? Because the Bible says God is love. If you want a description of God, it says God is love. And sometimes we, we don't always sense that God loves us before we became Christians. And somebody says it's like this, that, that it's like kind of swimming in a river, or swimming against the tide in a river. 
And if you're swimming against the tide, you feel as if the tide, the, the river is against you, but the river is not against you at all. Because if you turn around and went to the opposite direction, you think, oh, the river's for me. It's on our side. And sometimes the problem is, is that we swim against God so much that we don't always appreciate how much he loves us. But when we turn around, we realize that he loves us all the, all the time because God is love. Our eyes are open to those things. Now, we worry a lot in life, don't we, as to what people think about us. A friend of mine, he used to say, the thing that we worry about more than anything else is what is it that other people are thinking about me at this moment in time? The thing that we think about more than anything else. What people think about us is important. What God thinks about us is even more important. And uh, I love the verse in Psalm 139, verse 17, where it says this, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast are the sum, sum of them. If I were to count them, they'd outnumber the grains of sand on the seashore. Now, we used to live by the beach. We know how many grains of sand are on a beach. And, and God says, I have that amount of thoughts towards you at any one time. I think about every aspect of your life. And the Bible says that he has over, one overriding thought towards us, and that is he loves us. His banner over me is love. And Jesus shows the full extent of his love to this paralytic, not so much by healing him, which is a demonstration of God's power and love, but by saying, friend, your sins are forgiven. It transformed his life. And that was kind of linked in with the second thing with my personal testimony. As I, I look back now, uh, in 1978, I'm old. It's a long time ago. Is that I, I, at that moment I became a Christian, I, I felt incredibly clean. Um, which for a teenager is good, isn't it? Radical, in fact. And I remember having this sensation, it, you know, the way that I can describe it is if up to the age of 16 or for 16 years, never having a wash, never having a shower, all the sport that I used to do, all the cross-country that the school made me do, imagine never having a wash for 16 years then having a shower that makes you feel totally clean. That's what it felt like on the inside. That is the level of cleansing that the Lord Jesus brings. And I felt this on the inside. And I, and I, I really prayed because I thought, and you know, the night I became Christian, I thought, I, I hope this feels real tomorrow. And I woke up the next day and it, and it felt real. Felt totally real. And I wanted to tell my friends about it. And even on the way to the school, they, they started to call me Reverend Glover. I mean, this was in 12 hours of becoming a Christian. I mean, they were so prophetic. So prophetic. Now, if they'd have said pastor, I would have been even more impressed. But, they didn't. but that sense of cleansing is just a wonderful thing to know that you are forgiven. This guy, it's hard for us to understand. When Jesus says, friend, your sins are forgiven, how important this would have been to this man to know that he was uh, forgiven. Jonathan Edwards, the uh, preacher, not the triple jumper, says this, contrib you contribute nothing to your salvation except the sin that made it necessary. And Jesus came to save sinners. Do you know, that's the wonderful thing, that we have a story even above dare I say, the Bible indicates above the angels. Even the angels don't have that experience of salvation. It is, it is an amazing thing that we have. And, uh, and there's no truth that uh, when somebody's baptized, if we think that they're a big sinner, we leave them in the water longer 
I see that Crystal was up pretty quick, so obviously we think, we obviously, she's pretty, yeah. But the second thing I thought was, was being cleansed, which is such a wonderful thing, wonderful thing. And the third thing was this great sense of excitement. I had a great sense of excitement because I always felt, even growing up, even though I didn't go to Sunday school, that God somehow could be known, that somehow that there's a purpose out there, you know, but, but how, how can you really connect with God as an individual? And I, I didn't even think that you could, so I didn't think about it too much. But I always had this sense that there was something more to life, always had this sense. And many people who become Christians say this. And for this paralyzed man, that, uh, this paralytic, that there was more to life for him. So Jesus says, get up and walk, and immediately he did. And Jesus is saying this in many ways. I've got places for you to go, things for you to do, great discoveries, great experience, great adventure, great excitement. I can't imagine not having become a Christian. I, I just can't imagine the different adventures that I wouldn't have had if I'd not given my life to Jesus. And John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, doesn't he, very clearly, I've come that you might have life. That's why I've come. And to have life in all its fullness. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There's a lot of things that can rob us of life, but I've come that you can have life in all its fullness. And that's part of the testimony as well, isn't it? We, we can be baptized because of the level of, of love that God has for us, the level of cleansing that has taken place. And coming out of the water symbolizes this is a fresh start. This is a new life. And, and do you know, God does not leave us lacking on this front. If you ever think, if I became a Christian, it will rob me of life, that is, to, that is a total lie. That is not the truth. I just, you know, even, you know, even the first two years of being a Christian, I can't believe how good it was. I think that every Christian should be able to write a book because of the adventure of God leads us, how he directs us, I'm sure, that we can all do that. And Jesus rescues this guy in every way. He rescues him in every way possible, and he's good at doing that. Now, I was thinking about uh, today, my, my thoughts went back to 2016. Now, my, my granddad, um, who I never met, uh, died in 1946. And in 2016, I, the Staffordshire Police Association got in touch with me because it was 70 years since my granddad died. My granddad was a policeman, and he died on duty. He was, he was murdered in 1946. Somebody had robbed the cinema, had grabbed the safe, tried to run away with the safe. My granddad chased him. Uh, he got hit over the head. Um, he was in a coma for about a week, and he died at the end of that week. I never met him. Seventy years on in 2016, the Police Association in, in Staffordshire and the surrounding counties wanted to do a memorial service for him. And uh, they got in touch with me because for some reason I was the contact, and they put on just an incredible service. And... Uh, the mayor was there, all these police commissioners were there, and I was really grateful. They asked me to do a reading because they knew I went to church and stuff. Um, but I was really honoured that they did that. Then a few months after, the person who'd organised it, called Ralph, Ralph Saville from Burton, he sends me a text, and he says, Phil, it was great to see you. 
um, I have with me Mick and June Gibbs. And I'm thinking, who, who are Mick and June Gibbs? He says, Mick Gibbs is now the man who your grandfather rescued from a fire two years before he died in 1944. So this was 72 years before. And Mick was now in his 70s. And he says, Mick just wanted me to send this text. He says, it was Mick who used to live with his parents and brother near Burton Police Station when fire engulfed their home in 1944. Your grandfather rescued Mick and since then has led a happy life and successful life as a builder, has two married daughters and four grandchildren. He knows your grandfather's full name and he's asked me 70 odd years on to send you his best wishes in his own words and say, I know everything to that brave policeman. I'm very grateful that he risked his own life to rescue mine. And uh, I was really moved that he described something of his life that if he'd not been rescued. And uh, my granddad did risk his life to save Mick. Jesus gave his life so that we could be saved in every way possible. Every way possible. Jesus has the ability and the capacity to save our lives. And Jesus opens up this whole new dimension, this whole spiritual dimension that we cannot experience without him. We cannot be open to what God has for us. We cannot know God. We can't live forever without knowing Jesus. This is eternal life, that you would know God and the one that he sent, Jesus Christ our Lord. And it opens this whole dimension. He rescues us in every way. So just as we close, Ephesians 1 verse 3, one of my favorite verses says this, thanks be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Through Jesus, it just opens the door for everything that God wants to bring into our lives. It's a great adventure. I remember once, just as I closed, doing a, a youth work seminar down in Eastbourne where they have the tennis do the ladies' tennis competition. And um, so it wasn't going on at the time. It was a youth work conference. And there were so many seminars that I was put in the referee's room to do my seminar with a guy called Pete Gregg. Now, some of you might have heard of Pete Gregg. Now, Pete Gregg is famous. I'm not famous. He's quite famous. Because he initiated the 24-7 prayer movement. So some of you will know him, and you see him on many different... um, doing many different dorks and seminars. So we were doing a seminar on working with 11 to 14-year-olds. And uh, he was brilliant, I've got to say. And all the questions were asked, you know, they were asked to him. But I was, I was in there as a bit of a, you know, straight man or something like that. So I was in there with him. But anyway, I, I just remember, uh, Pete was really good. And I remember you saying at a youth weekend once that um, there are a lot of young people there, and on a Saturday night, which is usually the response night, um, that really encouraged the young people to follow this adventure of following Jesus. And his response was this. He says, just outside the main room is this kind of big pond, mini lake. And uh, I think he tested it out beforehand. He says, if your response is to say, Lord, I really want to follow you, what I want you to do is to go and jump in that lake. Now, 
This was a few years ago. Safety is not, you know, anyway. Don't do it. Don't, anyway. And they went. Do you know what? I just liked it. He's saying, you know, he said to these young people, it was a great illustration to say, God, God, I'm all in. You know, I'm all in. I'm all in with you. You know, I go to church, we go to the youth group and stuff like that, but, but Lord, I want you to know that I am all in with you. And that is one of the things that, that baptism symbolizes. Lord, I'm all in with you. I want what you've got for me. You know, I might have some plans and they're good, and, and often God kind of blesses the plans that are in there. That's fine. But it's also good to say at some point, and baptism is good for this, he's saying, God, I'm all in with you. Absolutely all in with you. And coming up out of the water symbolizes that I've got this new life with you. It's going to be a venture. Um, I know it's not always going to be easy, but I know that you've got something for me. And I want to encourage you this morning, um, whatever stage that you're in, because there's times, you know, even as when we've been Christians for a while, um, that we get out again. And sometimes when you say, God, I am going to be all in with you. There's different seasons of life, aren't there? You know, as a teenager, it's different. You know, older, it's different. As a student, when you get married, you know, it's different. Different seasons of life. And the, the season that we're in, are we going to say, God, Lord, I'm all in for what you want. I'm really all in for you. Now I'm going to invite uh, uh, the band up, and um, you've listened well. You deserve some music now. <laughs> and just give an opportunity for people to respond in any way that they would like to uh, respond. But I invite us all to, to stand. We've been sitting for a few moments, and like I say, listened well, really appreciate that. I just want to consider as the, the band plays in the background, and we're just going to spend a few moments in God's presence. There may be for some of you the... The response today is simply saying, Lord, I, I am all in. I need to say that again to you. I know that I've backed out and circumstances can make life a little bit fuzzy. Maybe you think priorities have not been quite right and you want to say this morning, God, I'm all in for you. It might be that for some of you that uh, as you've been watching a baptism, you've been thinking about baptism for a while or thinking that God has been positively on your case and maybe this this morning you're saying God my response to you say yes I do think that this is something that I need to do that might be your response it may be that you've never come to Jesus for forgiveness which is the greatest miracle of them all the greatest miracle of them all to know that forgiveness to know that cleansing and this morning it may be that you're saying Lord I've never taken that step I've seen you in the lives of the other people around me and I know I need to take that step. And if you'd like to do that, then I'm going to invite you forward and respond in that way. But also in this passage that we didn't touch on, right at the start of the passage, it says this, before the paralytic was healed, it says, and the power of the Lord was present for him, that is Jesus, to heal the sick. The power of the Lord was present for Jesus to heal the sick. It says that. And this morning, it may be that you want somebody to pray for you for a physical need. 
And we believe the morning, this morning that the power of the Lord is present in order to heal people. He does that. He's good at that. It's not us, it is him that does that. And as we sing, it may be that you'd like somebody to pray for you uh, for a physical illness this morning, and we'd love to pray for you. So as we sing, and uh, over these next five or ten minutes, as we're in God's presence, if you're saying, I'm all in, Lord, I, I am, or I'm going to get baptized, I'd love to come to you, Lord, for forgiveness, or would like somebody to pray for you this morning, that would be wonderful to do. And I encourage the Connect Group leaders to come forward as well uh, for those who would like to pray. Lord, we do thank you for your words this morning. The truth reminds us of who you are, reveals who you are, the truth about you. Lord, we thank you that you are the business of changing lives, revealing your love, bringing forgiveness and cleansing. A hundred billion failures disappear. A hundred billion failures disappear in your presence. Lord, we thank you for that new life that we have in you. And Lord, we do thank you that you're here by your spirit to touch people's lives, to touch people's bodies, to bring freshness and renewal. We pray, Lord, over these next few moments as we worship that we would receive all that you've got for us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you'd like to be prayed for, do come forward as we pray this morning.